book of Hebrews this morning. Hebrews chapter 2. And the title for this morning's message, if you like those things, it comes right from the text that we're going to look at. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Let's read that one more time. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Now, we've often had the, the discussion here, and, and uh, by God's grace, we'll never stop talking uh, about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and who he is and what the Bible says he is, but... Um, there's, there's an awful lot of controversy about who Jesus is. I mean, when you talk to people, they, uh, they talk about seeing Jesus. And, and in fact, uh, I have an old uh, bluegrass song, and it said, I was uh, reached my darkest time, and I saw Jesus standing at the foot of my bed. And uh, there's a lot of people that trust in those things. And the Bible tells us, you're not going to see Jesus standing at the foot of your bed. If you can't see him in the scriptures, you're not seeing him. Uh, there are people who see Jesus as a great teacher. Certainly, there was no greater teacher than Jesus. There are others who say, but he was a great prophet. Well, There's no greater prophet than Jesus. The book of Hebrews, as if we were to put this passage in its entire context, Hebrews chapter 1 talks about how God has revealed himself to mankind. How that he has revealed himself through creation, uh, through his prophets, through what we would call the Old Testament here. And uh, now uh, the book of Hebrews is being written in what we call the New Testament period. But I want you to understand something. This collection of books is called the Bible. There are 66 books, but it's one book. It was written over a period of time uh, spanning... Uh, a little over 2,000 years from the time Moses penned the first words in in the book of Genesis till John finished the last words in the book of Revelation. But uh, I want you to understand something. It's one book. And it gives us one picture of Jesus. Uh, for lack of a better example, I go to this one. Um, there's actually been a few occasions where uh, my brother has visited, and if he were here and someone said, I'd like to talk to Pastor Montoro, we might say, which one? Uh, because my brother is a pastor. 
And uh, he said, oh, I want to talk to the guy with all the kids. Well, that's me. Uh, if you want to talk to the guy with all the muscles, that's my brother. Uh, we, we've got, there's differences between us. And I want to challenge you to, th- to get on your thinking cap this morning that just because you're talking about Jesus and the name's the same, guess what? Some of the characteristics overlap. But if it's not the Jesus that is in the Scripture, it's not the same Jesus. In fact, Jesus himself said, there are going to be many who say they're me. There are going to be many that come in my name. And there's going to be many people that believe them. There are going to be many false Christs. In fact, back in the 60s, I, I get sick of it every time I think about it, but you have this, uh, the group called the Beatles, and one of their famous songs was My Sweet Lord. And people actually said, oh, like those nice long-haired boys singing about Jesus. They weren't singing about the Jesus of the Bible, my friend. Study what they were singing. They were singing about Hare Krishna, a Hindu Jesus that, by the way, is so far removed from the Bible that there can be no connection between the two. You see, this morning, if we need anything, we need to see Jesus. But we better make sure it's the right one. You see, there's... We, we talk about this often, and this is what I meant at the beginning by the discussion that we have about different religions. There's a Jesus that still hangs on the cross. We have no crucifixes in the Baptist church. Never had, never will. Because when Jesus was on the cross, he said one word in Hebrew, three in English, if you know them, and if you've been around here, you know what I'm talking about. Say it with me. It is finished. Jesus is never going to the cross again. That's why we celebrate an empty cross. Because the work is done. You turn on Christian radio, and you'll hear about a Jesus that has put things in your heart and in your being And it's your job to look down inside and find out what those things are that are in your being and and bring them out and give them to God and He will help you actualize yourself is the term that they like to use. He'll help you to realize the real inner you. I want to challenge you, that's not the Jesus of the Bible. In fact, Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again because there's nothing in you that God wants to use. He's got to give you a complete and entirely brand new life. In fact, the only way that we could begin to comprehend what God wants to do in our life as Jesus tried to explain it to Nicodemus, he said, he must... Be born 
again. You've got to start all over. It's got to be a brand new life. Now, I got to hold my little grandbaby uh, this past week in Oklahoma, and that was a lot of fun playing with little Peter. He still doesn't understand a whole lot. He's uh, I'll be a year old next week, or this week, actually, I believe. And uh, But uh, came up behind him as his daddy was holding him and, and said, How's little Peter doing? And you could see him turn his head. He recognized my voice. And I said, Ha-ha, uh, he still knows who I am, and I, I like that. And his name is Peter. And my son's name is Peter. And my name is Peter. And my dad's name was Peter. And my grandfather's name was Peter. We like that name in our family. But we're all different people. And every time someone, another Peter is born, it's a brand new, completely distinct and different life. Jesus said, you must be born again. Because it's a brand new, distinctly different, unique life. Not as a physical birth, where two parents come together and conceive that child, and the process of gestation, and and then labor, and delivery, and finally the event called birth happens. It is the power of God that touches the human soul and implants His life in us. That's the Jesus of the Bible. He doesn't want what you have. You know, it's really hard for people who have great talents and abilities. Or, in the case of the rich young ruler, great riches. To get saved. Because it's hard to get let go of the old life. It's hard to let go of those things. We get every once in a while we get a call and I'm a student at Juilliard or one of the other music colleges here and I'm I'm looking for a place to uh, perform. Well, they don't say that. Uh, I'm looking to use my talents for the Lord. And I said, well... Uh, We're not against that, but, you know, when we have someone do music in our church, uh, we want them to be a member of our church. We want them to be a part of what's going on here. Because we'd much rather have a little less talent and a whole lot more spirit. And... Praise God, we don't have to make that choice very often. I don't know about you, but that special ministered to my heart this morning. You know, I've heard somebody sent me a recording one time. Uh, I'm not going to say the name of the group. I'm not even sure if I got it right in my head. But it was supposed to be four of the greatest singers alive today singing Amazing Grace. And they even got the bagpipes on the fourth, uh, pounding out that, that melody. And you know what? Deader than a hammer. 
there is no ministry to my heart. Was it good entertainment? Oh my. Was it musically perfect? As close as anybody can come. But did it touch my heart? No, it was kind of like, ugh. Great performance. But these people have no idea what grace really is. I'd rather hear some old person. I remember, well, it was this week they called Brother Yeager up just off out of the uh, thing to sing a verse of a song. And I'll tell you what, tell you my heart was swimming. It, 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 it did something. It brought me closer to the Savior we sing about. Because old Brother Yeager spent his whole life ministering the gospel to others and teaching in the college there. You know, when he sings, it does so. Because you know there's a relationship. And we've got to get out of the introduction and get back to our text. But what I want you to understand this morning is we, we need to see Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews is talking about how God has given his revelation. And he stops right here in the middle of chapter 2. And he says, but we see Jesus. We, we need to get a good look at Jesus today. I want us just to stop and to look at Him. And it gives us all that we need to know. I mean, how many different places could we go in the Bible? Uh, if, if you really want to see Jesus, I love to go to Revelation chapter 1 and see Him presented as the resurrected Lord, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and all of His glory. But that's not what the writer of the book of Hebrews, go, where he goes. He says, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Now, read your Bible carefully. That's all one phrase. He was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. I didn't have time to do uh, in-depth research. I've uh, been a little busy here the past couple of weeks. But um, and as I just thumb through the knowledge that I have gained over the years of other religions and different traditions, I don't know of any stories where a god humbled himself. There are lots of stories of God's doing different things. There are lots of stories in, in the pagan histories and all of this of God's interfering with the behaviors of men. And it's amazing how human many of the gods of the Greek mythology uh, of uh, the ancient East. It's amazing how human their stories are. They always end up doing some fantastic thing that nobody else can do. But it's amazing how human they are. In fact, it would almost be 
a possibility, as Mr. Hislop suggests in his history of false religion, that they really were the stories of great men of old. But this is Jesus. And it says, He was made lower, a little lower than the angels. Now, do you get that? Here is Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 6, Thy throne, O God, is exalted forever and ever. He said He was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. I'm sorry, it was... uh, um, Verse 8 is thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. But Jesus was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Can angels die? No. Study your Bible. Angels can't be killed. So Jesus had to be made lower than the angels. If we'll go on down here, we'll find out that he took on him, and we will in just a moment. He took on him the seed of Abraham. He became a man so that he could suffer death. You see, this old quandary, people who don't understand their Bible or don't want to believe what the Bible says, well, well, how can God die? God can't die. Well, then if Jesus is God, how did he die? Because he's a man. But if he's a man, then he can't be God. Uh, No, he's both at the same time. Without degrading or upgrading either. Uh, Wait a minute. I don't understand. Good. Because if you did, your understanding would be wrong. This is something a little beyond what your two and a half pounds of gray matter can comprehend. You said, are you calling me dumb? No. I'm saying, your mind is not big enough to understand God. And wouldn't it be a small God indeed that your mind could comprehend? Could we get an amen on that? Because what we're talking about here is a God that created us. Should not He be bigger than the mind of the created being to understand and comprehend? Would, would that not make sense? I mean, when's the last time your computer understood you? You say, my computer doesn't understand. Yeah, you're on the right track. It just does what it's told. Unless it's operating under Windows, then it doesn't do anything. (laughs) I think Microsoft... Software is Bill Gates' revenge upon the world. I'm not quite sure. But uh, 
The simple truth of the matter is the creation can't comprehend the Creator and so the Creator was made lower than the angels. I mean, we're talking quite a step down here as God lowered Himself so He could die. He became man. Verse 10 says, For it became him. Now that word became means to fit properly, to, to, uh, uh, to uh, be right, to be done right. It became him. It was proper for him. For whom are all things, everything was created for him, and by whom are all things, he was the creator, he made them for himself, in bringing many sons unto glory to make perfect, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Now, you have to spend a little time reading that verse or you're not going to get what it says. It says it became him. We often use this word today if we use it at all when uh, we talk about uh, a lady who is beautifully adorned like a, a bride walking down the aisle. Her gown was very becoming. It was fitting. It was beautiful. It, it, it made... Uh, the service better, and, and it became him. It was proper, it was right, it made things more wonderful. For whom are all things? Everything was created for Jesus. And by whom are all things? Jesus is keeping everything together. In bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain or the first of their salvation perfect, through suffering. You know, Jesus has given us the perfect example. How many of you have ever had this thought? I'm sure going through an awful lot right now. The, the weight of just the circumstances of life is pressing on me very heavy. Has anybody ever, else ever been there? And, you know, real life is not the absence of suffering. It is His power to live through it. Amen? Yet Jesus suffered. He suffered thirst. He suffered hunger. But those weren't his greatest sufferings. People have often said all the sufferings that Jesus did on the cross, those weren't his greatest sufferings. It wasn't the physical. Here's God, the creator of the universe. And Jesus in the book of John is trying to explain to them 
I do the works of my Father of whom ye say that he is your God. And they looked at him, who is your father? He just told them. If you were going to name my father, you would call him God. And then they picked up stones to stone him. Why? Because you being a man, you make yourself God. Who was he? He was God. But he was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. We need to see Jesus. Because life gets tough sometimes. Read Hebrews chapter 12. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Now, I, I don't know. I, 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 this next verse here, we've got to get a hold of. Verse 11 I don't, I don't claim to get it, but I believe it because it's what the Bible says. For both he that sanctifieth, that's he that does the cleansing, and they who are sanctified, that is us, who are cleansed, are all of one. We all came from God. We just don't act like it. For which cause? He is not ashamed to call them brethren. He was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. But he says, we were created in the image of God and we've marred that image through sin. And so he came to redeem us and he's not ashamed to put his arm around us and say, this is my brother. This is my sister. These are my people. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that where you've done something that was just wrong. I mean, we're not talking about felonies and things like this, but I mean, you just, you just blew it. I mean, everybody was looking at you and they weren't thinking nice thoughts. And then someone who had control of the situation came up and put his arm around and says, it's okay, we're going to get through this. Have you ever had that happen in life? I'll tell you what, it's an incredible thing. When another human being shows mercy and grace toward you. But I, I want you to think about this. You see, Jesus knows everything about us and he still loves us. But the devil knows everything about us and he still hates us. And he is constantly accusing us to the Father. And Jesus just comes up and says, I mean, that's, that's my brother, he's okay. You can let him in. Not because he's excusing our wrong behaviors. We'll get to that in a minute. 
See, God doesn't sweep things under the carpet. He doesn't give a little slap on the hand and say, that's okay. We'll, we'll just overlook. God doesn't overlook a thing, my friend. Read the books of heaven. You know what the library of heaven is full of? The wrong deeds of mankind. Every sin that has ever been sinned in all of history is recorded in God's books. But then there's another book. It's called the book of life. And when your name is written in that book, he goes through all the other books and he finds the section with your name on it. And it's written paid in full by the blood of Jesus. Beside every entry. He's not ashamed to call me his brother. He was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. So he could bring us back. I'll tell you what, you won't find a parallel to this story in any religion known to mankind. In fact, you won't find this in most churches that call themselves Christian. Because religion offers you a way to be pleasing to or good enough to equal God. The Bible has a completely different way of doing this. It says, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower in the angels for the suffering of death. Why? So that he could make us acceptable in God's sight. And he's not ashamed. To call us his brethren. And that's why the second part of this verse says, crowned with glory and honor. We meet here today and we have sung songs. Wonderful grace of Jesus. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. There is power in the blood. We sing those songs where I hope and pray that you took advantage of that opportunity to sing those songs in true worship to Jesus Christ and to God the Father. That's what the song service is about. Say, so, well, I, I don't really sing that, that well. Let me, let me explain something to you. There's enough people standing around you that unless you're pulling a Peter, if anybody remembers when Peter was here, uh, he kind of takes after his father. He's got a loud enough voice that it can be heard over most everything else going on. Uh, but he didn't take after his mother, so it wasn't quite in tune. Uh, but uh, with, with rare exception, I, I want to explain to you, and even Peter couldn't be heard when he would just pull it back a gear. Amen? Uh, you will blend in and nobody can tell that you're doing a really bad job singing. But it's got to come from your heart. And God will accept it. You know, I can't wait till we get to heaven. Because he's going to retune those vocal cords. And I love four-part harmony, but I can't imagine how many parts we're going to sing in heaven. I have an idea it'll be a few more than four. Amen? Uh, but the simple truth of the matter is, Jesus is crowned with glory and honor. Everything we do in this service is to worship Him.
Do you know how you worship? You know, there, there are people that worship all kinds of things. There are people that worship automobiles. You know what they do to worship those automobiles? They'll lay on the ground in the dirt and the grease and the oil and everything and slide underneath that car. And with their hands, they will work on that car and get covered with grease and dirt and grime so that they can fix that car and make it run the way it ought to. And they will put the wax on the car and take the wax off of the car until their shoulders and arms ache. And then they'll buff it. And Lord forbid you should brush up against it. Because they will defend that car. Because it is an object of their desire. You see, when I worship the Lord, I'm going to grapple with some things. And you know what's going to happen? It's going to press me down. Because it's too much for me to comprehend. But you know what? I want to bring honor and glory to His name. He is crowned with honor and glory because He humbled Himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Let's look at verse 12 here. As as the Bible is its own commentary, never forget that. Verse 12 says, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. He's not ashamed to call us brethren. In the midst of the assembly will I sing praise unto thee. Is that what your Bible says? Not if you've got to write one. It says in the midst of the church. Hey, where did that come from? Uh, let's try Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said, I will build my... Let's try that again. I will build my... We are meeting in Open Door Bible Baptist. Why? Because he was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering and death, crowned with honor and glory, and we're going to sing his praises in the church. You know, every once in a while, you'll get some great person. I remember being in a preacher's meeting one time, and... A preacher, a certain preacher walked in, and the man who was in the pulpit preaching God's Word stopped so that he could recognize that man that walked into the meeting. It was a good thing they didn't have buckets, because I would have lost my lunch right there. It wasn't even lunchtime yet. Let me tell you something. That kind of stuff makes God sick. That ought never happen in his church. There is no man that is recognized. Because we want to see Jesus. Amen? Hello? You see, it is Jesus that is crowned with honor and glory. It is Jesus that has suffered 
And again, I will put my trust in Him. Verse 13. And again, behold, I am I and the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, He also Himself likewise took part of the same, that through death He might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. You see, he is crowned with honor and glory because as he was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. He is the eternal God and could not be holden by its cords. And he has the victory. We fail. We fall. If I were to ask you a question, how many of you sinned since last Sunday morning? Every, the hand of every honest person would go up. And the hands of the dishonest people that would stay down, guess what? They just added another one to the list. Because we sin. How do you think you're going to be saved by doing good works when you continually still do wrong things? See, it doesn't work that way. You see... Jesus does all the saving. That's why we crown Him with honor and glory. And I don't know how to explain it, but He's still, in spite of everything I am and everything I do wrong, He's not ashamed to call me His brother. I'll tell you what. He is. Jesus. You're not going to find this anywhere else but in your Bible. Now let's look at the last phrase of that verse. We're trying to be done this morning. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that He, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. That he, by the grace of God, should taste death for all those who would be saved? No, Mr. Calvin misses the point and the scripture that he should taste death for those who are good enough? No. That he should taste death for those who are members of the church? No. It says that he should taste death. What? Read those last two words with me. Every man. That he should taste death for every man. Someone says, well, what about women? Well, understand the language. It's every human being. 
You don't need a gender-neutral Bible to understand the Scriptures. Oh, my. The points, that the extent that people go to. But Jesus, by the grace of God, for by grace are ye saved through faith, should taste death for every man. Now, let me tell you something. Every one of us in this room, excepting for the fact that Jesus should come back to take us, will taste death. Every Christian that lived 150 years ago from today is now dead. They've tasted death. Well, guess what? They're not coming back until Jesus brings them back. Because once a human being tastes death, that's it. I've had a lot of people over the years say, Pastor, what about near-death experience? And my first response is always, you, you just said it. But, but they really died. No, it was a near Death experience. If they can bring you back, you didn't die completely. You didn't taste it. Uh, Maybe you licked the lid. uh, But once you taste it, you're dead and you're not coming back. I I worked in a nursing home and I'll I'll tell you what, it it was really sad sometimes watching people in almost what we would call a living death. Just just waiting to die while their bodies lingered on. But when death really came, it was always a shock. I don't care how long that person had laid there in a near fetal position and not moving unless someone moved them and having to give total care to that person. You say, why does God let that happen? This is not subject of this morning's message. Let me tell you, God lets that happen one reason, and this is not all of them. I can't explain everything God does, but God wants you and I to understand how precious life is regardless of the things that are attached to it. If you've ever had the privilege of caring for someone like that, it helps you understand a little bit of how wonderful this thing called life is. Death is never welcome. Even when it releases someone from great physical suffering, we still miss that person, do we not? We still grieve for them. We, we tell ourselves and we comfort ourselves, at least they're not suffering now, but I'll tell you what, death is never welcome. God has conditioned us for life. And I'll tell you, this human body will hold on to it at unbelievable, unbelievable extremities, unbelievable exhortation. But Jesus, by the grace of God, tasted death for every man. You see, he was completely human. 
just as you and I are. But he was completely God, just as God is. Therefore, he could taste death and not be destroyed by it. In fact, he got the victory over death. And he offers that same victory to all who will believe in him. Let's finish reading here and we'll be done. It says, Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. You see, he is crowned with honor and glory. Why? Because he destroyed him that hath the power of death. That's the devil. The devil is a defeated foe. Do not fall for the lie. The devil made me do it. The devil didn't make you do anything. He has been defeated. Jesus has dealt him his mortal wound. That's why he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's just waiting for death to catch up. And he and death will be cast into the lake of fire. And that will be the end of all things. And we'll begin eternity future. But see, Jesus is that faithful and merciful high priest. He has reconciled things between us and God because he as God was able to deal with God and he as man was able to deal with man. He is the mediator. He is the bridge between God and mankind. He has been through death and has come out the other side victorious. And He will lead us there if we will follow Him. You see, this is the Jesus of the Bible. Amen? It's a little different. Then the one that goes to his Father in heaven says, Oh God, you understand how bad they are. Just forgive them. I've heard preachers preach like that. I always turn them off. I don't want to hear such foolishness. Jesus says, You can forgive them because I have paid the price for their sins. The wages of sin is, and Jesus died on the cross to take our wages for him. Amen? Do you think that if you were to see this Jesus and walk with Him, it might change a little bit of your behavior on a daily basis? How about a lot of behavior on a daily basis? Could we get some more heads going up and down or saying amen? I mean, you see, the Jesus of the Bible has not come to sign a peace treaty with the world. He has not come to negotiate with the devil the release of souls. Here's what it says. 
that last verse, for in that he himself suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Now, that word succor is not a word that we use much in modern English, if at all. But it simply means deliverance, military aid. You have a group of men that are trapped, and they can't get out. They are surrounded by the enemy. So what do you do? You have to break through the enemy's line and set those free. How many of you have ever felt surrounded by the devil and the world and all those things? Well, I want to tell you something. Jesus isn't depending on you holding on. He will break through the lines and he will deliver you. Amen? There is no like illustration in military history. So we're not going to give one this morning. It's not just supplying you with what you need to fight because the life that is in you is His. You've been born again. He's not ashamed to call us His brethren. And by the grace of God, He has tasted death for every man so that we can walk in His footsteps. That's why John says in the first chapter of his book that He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Why? Because He's paid for it. If you're saved today, it's not because of what you've done. It's because of what He's already done. The life that you have was not reshaped and reformed from parts of you. It's all of Him, and it is put in you until this body goes in the ground and He is able to give us that new and resurrected and glorified body that will Reflect His glory throughout all eternity. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that He, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. It's not a big deal for me to give my life to Jesus. Everything I am, everything I hope to be. Because He's already given me life. If I get in trouble, where am I going to go? Back to Jesus. Why? Because He's the only place to go. There's no other one to go to. You see... We need to see Jesus. Not a Jesus who will say it's okay and it's going to be better. But a Jesus who says, I know every sin. And I paid for him on the cross. We honor and glorify him because he is God. He is the creator. But we ought to love him because he's not ashamed to call us his brother. And we can only walk in His footsteps if we will go to Him as our faithful high priest and accept His succor every moment of every day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to You.
Lord, we tried to examine, I've tried to just bring out the truth that is in this verse that you've laid upon my heart. And I pray that everyone here today will be able to see how simple the Scripture really is. And how that the Bible explains itself. And allows us to fully understand that Jesus was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. That He is crowned with glory and honor and the whole purpose for the church to exist is to bring that glory and honor to Him. Because He, by the grace of God, has tasted death for every man. Our message is to all the world. For whosoever shall believe on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, my first prayer this morning would be for those that may be here this morning that do not know you as their Savior. That today they would lay aside the false images of Jesus and false pictures and understandings of Him and embrace what the Bible says that we should see when we see Jesus. Lord, I pray for the Christians that are here that are saved, that are struggling, that are under the weight of life circumstance. That maybe as we talked about are set round about and besieged by the enemy. Lord, that we would stop looking at the enemy we would stop looking at ourselves, and we would see Jesus who does not need any helpers to break through the forces of the enemy who doesn't have to plan his moves carefully so that he will be assured of victory because he already has the victory total and complete Lord, how desperately do we need to live in this victory in our own personal lives? We ask, Lord, that you would help us to see Jesus. As the scriptures say, we ought to see him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The hymn of invitation this morning is only trust Him. Let me tell you something, that's how you get saved, is only trusting Jesus.